All right. We are going to look at the top 25 poll from the USA Today coaches poll that just got released. The Rebels are ranked, but where? And also, I've gotten a bunch of questions about it. We're going to look at the kicker on campus right now. We're going to talk cruise missiles right here on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. You can follow me at the Stephen Willis right there. I'm on TikTok at Locked On Ole Miss. I am on Instagram at LO Ole Miss. Um, And Facebook, you can follow me on the Positively Ole Miss fan group. So those are the ways you can take in the show. We're going to get right to it. The top 25 preseason poll has been released. Guys, we are getting closer. We are absolutely getting closer to football happening and actually being a thing. And Ole Miss is ranked. And Ole Miss is coming in ranked at number, let's see, 24. And this is what the USA Today had to say about Ole Miss. The loss of quarterback Matt Corral has the potential to derail the Rebels' growth under Lane Kiffin. Replacing Corral will come down to a competition between Southern California transfer Jackson Dart and former backup Luke Altmaier. Kiffin aggressively courted players on both sides of the ball from the transfer portal. Running back Zach Evans brings an elite threat to the running game, while Jalen Robinson will pair well with Jonathan Mingo. Troy Brown and Aishim Young should help on defense. So, I mean, honestly, that's not totally foreign. It's kind of a real milk toast preview. Um, but if I had to nitpick anything, it would be the Southern California transfer Jackson Dart and former backup Luke Altmaier. Uh, that description um, feels slanted and feels biased for whatever reason. But here's the top 25 poll. Um, you got Bama number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia number three, Clemson number four, Notre Dame number – why is Notre Dame up to that high every year? Good grief, that's ridiculous. Michigan number six, A&M number seven, or I should say eight and four number seven. Um, Utah number eight, OU number nine, Baylor number ten. Um, we saw in the Sugar Bowl, it was a good team. Dave Aranda can coach. Oklahoma State eleven, Oregon twelve, NC State thirteen, Michigan State um, fourteen, USC fifteen, Pittsburgh sixteen, Miami seventeen. There's a lot of people getting the benefit of the doubt by their name. Texas eighteen. Speaking of the devil, um, Wake nineteen, Wisconsin twenty. Kentucky 21, Cincinnati 22, Arkansas 23, Ole Miss 24, and Houston 25. So it's one of those things to where these polls come out and, you know, you look at it. I'm going to have it up over here. So if you see me looking off camera a little bit, I'm going to have the poll where I can reference it. Now, when you look at what's going on in these polls, like I said, there's a lot of name recognition in this. Notre Dame, Michigan. Michigan has not settled on a quarterback yet. Notre Dame um, has a completely new coach, and there's they could be good, but, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Brian Kelly ran a good program, so they he has a lot to work with up in um, South Bend. But there's a lot of name recognition. Utah should probably be higher. OU, why, why put OU in there at that level? Baylor should be higher. Oklahoma State should probably be higher. Um, Oregon, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. 
NC State, good team. They have a chance to compete with Clemson, who is massively overrated at four if they play like they did last year. I mean, the USC-Miami-Texas triumvirate, I mean, what's next? All, all we're missing is Tennessee from the we, we're back list. Um, Kentucky, 21, I agree with that. Arkansas, 23, I agree with that. Ole Miss, 24. Now, when it comes to Ole Miss, this is what people need to know. I have told you all for months that this team is the most talented team that Ole Miss has had in my lifetime. I have not shied away from that. I've put my name on that, and I've said it over and over and over again. I've also said it's one thing to be talented, it's another to be good. This team, this Ole Miss team could go 5-7. and seven. This Ole Miss team could go 11-1. and one. That is the swing of this team at the moment. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just some questions and some development and things need to find out and you need to stay healthy and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can't answer right now. All we can go off of is how talented they are, how they look. We're in a, I guess, a sterile environment. They go through and they like they look really good. There's some, there's some good guys look, look good looking guys getting off the bus there. Look at that throw. Look at that catch. Look at the speed everywhere. Zach Evans, my goodness, we've never had a running back like Zach Evans at Ole Miss. But once the games start. That's when the other part of the calculus kicks in and the why football is such a wonderful sport. Because what if you lose two or three offensive linemen? What if a quarterback goes down? What if Zach Evans turns in? There's so many unknowns that could happen every play. There is 80 chances for something to go wrong for the offense every game. There's 80 chances for something to go wrong on the defense every game. And it's how you handle that that determines whether you go 5-7 and seven or 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. See, the people want football to be hard. They want it to be complicated. It's the same thing like what baseball does the thing. They want their sports to be complicated so that they only understand it. But football is an imp- incredibly simple game. The stats, they might have 100 different stats and 100 different positions, but it's an incredibly simple game. It is all about how talented you are versus how you handle adversity. If you are talented and you handle adversity well, you're going to do well. If you don't handle that adversity well, you will not do as good. And if you're not talented and don't handle adversity well, you're Vanderbilt, you're Kansas. It's a simple, simple game. We get lost on the schemes and all of the things that's designed to matriculate the ball down the field, as Hank Stram used to say. And we lose sight of how simple this game is. I would sit there for hours looking over film. I mean, it was, it was 10, 15 years, eight hours a day, looking at players over and over again. And you get a little bit of insight. Now, coaches, when they look at film, are looking at ways in each individual rep that they're watching. It's like, what can we do better to win this rep? What can we do better to win this? And it's all designed to make the whole a little bit better. That's what coaching is. That's why they make all this money. But I had the benefit of the doubt, or the benefit of looking at the film 
a little bit different way. And you can kind of almost deconstruct it from the points like, okay, this team is a flexbone team and this team is an air raid team. They're playing each other, but the goals are the same. It's just how you do it. And watching that, you realize that people are such copycats in sports. If something works, they want to copy it. I'll give this example to you. Somebody will say, I want Ole Miss to be like Alabama. And that's like everything. And it's like, why? They have different athletic budgets, a different set of circumstances around it. Why would you want to try and pigeonhole Ole Miss into this, um, this background of a program? Why would you want to do that? And their answer is always Alabama wins. And it's always a copy thing. And the biggest trouble that programs get into is whenever one coach leaves and you go and try and copy whatever's successful. Vanderbilt is a recent, recent example of this. James Franklin and all that went on, and they won back-to-back nine-win season, and Vanderbilt football was kind of rolling. But James Franklin got out of town, went to Penn State. So they started looking. But instead of looking in the same way that they found James Franklin, they tried to replicate what David Shaw was doing out in Stanford because Stanford was doing well. Oh, they're a smart school, and they're winning games, and never mind the fact they had Andrew Luck and those guys at quarterback. But let's try and copy them. So let's bring in Derek Mason, who's the defensive coordinator off that team. And all of the momentum from James Franklin was lost because the system changed that had to happen. And when that momentum was gone at Vanderbilt, it was gone. And then Derek Mason was like, eh, maybe we can get to six wins this year. And then you go to Clark Lee, and it's another system change. And at Vander- Vandy, that's just killer. You almost have to give Clark Lee like six or seven years to get all of this fixed, to get different, because it's different type players that do his stuff than did Derek Mason's. So, man, I went off on a rant there. I understand that. But the point is, I kind of agree where Ole Miss is. I think that um, Ole Miss has done a good job of bringing in players that match their scheme and what they're doing. But they haven't done it. It's all been in a sterile environment. And it's important to keep that under consideration. Because, honestly, I'd rather them be there than rank ninth, honestly, with this team, the way I feel. And I'm, I'm as confident as you can be. I, I ooze confidence about this team moving forward. But I'm okay with them being at 24 preseason. Uh, Tell me what you think down in the comments below. What do you think about this team's ranking in the preseason? Give me your thoughts and um, tell me what's going on. Now, let's see. All right. I want to tell you a little bit about LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help with your small business and help them fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that want to help you talk faster and for free. Create free job posts in minutes on LinkedIn to reach your network and beyond on the world's largest professional network at over 810 million people. That's 10% of the Earth's population. That's a lot of people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame 
to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It is why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one at delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So here's what we need you to do. Anyway, LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. But did you know that every week nearly 4 million, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Um, I've had a couple of questions in the chat in the comment section over the last couple of weeks, and I, I figured I would I would give this a segment um, because I think it's important, and and nobody talks about this for whatever reason. I think it's just because kickers are not a sexy subject, and the Caden Costa situation is weird. We can all agree that this situation is weird for whatever reason. And whatever Caden's going to do, he's going to get it taken care of before the Mississippi State game. But in the meantime, they brought in a graduate transfer. His name is Jonathan Cruz from Charlotte. This is a kicker and punter index ranking um, of kickers in the country. You can see Caden Costa coming in at 8. But Jonathan Cruz in it too. He has a 57-yard game winner to his credit. His kicks are referred to as cruise missiles. He's a very good kicker, guys. And it's not something that we really want to, I don't know, poo-poo. But he's a good player. Now, Frazier Mason, who is in for the punting thing, I do not know. He's completely show me to me. He was signed in December. Um, so he's been through spring, he's been through fall, and they have not brought in any transfer punter. So he's obviously doing a decent enough um, job. But he's an Aussie guy. Um, real similar um, to the way Will Gleason was, and they will use that to advantage. I do not know if that means they're going to rugby punt some. I do not know what's going to happen. Maybe he just got has a boom for a, uh, a foot, but we'll see. That's Frazier Mason brought in to punt. But Jonathan Cruz from Charlotte, the former 49er, um, is going to kick field goals this year. And like I said, he's got a 57-yard game winner against FAU last year. Uh, he's good. He's he's a good kicker. And this is important to me, okay? If you look behind me, that picture down there below, that's actually of me. I was a place kicker in high school. And so I enjoy kicking. I enjoy talking about kicking because nobody ever does. It's kind of... You know, just whatever it's like stupid kickers like Peyton Manning said back in the day about Pat McAfee. But this guy's a good kicker. And let me tell you why this is important. Because you might not know why this is important. Lane Kiffin likes to go for it. We all know that. And everybody's going to say, well, he's going to go for it more if Caden Costa's injured anyway. Just put the other guy in. But... What this does is provide a hedge. If it's 4th and 12 from the 20-yard line, you've got a, let's see, 20-yard line, 27, 37-yard field goal. 
you can count on that to be made. That gives you freedom in your play calling on third down to try things because you got three points that you consider in the back. But you want to try to make seven, so you do things to go for seven. Whenever you can't do that and you can't count on that kicker, that puts so much pressure on a quarterback on third and 12 from the 20-yard line. And it can look like, honestly, Matt Corral did against Auburn last year. It can look like um, it could put quarterbacks in really in a blender, in a pressure situation to where bad things can happen on third down because they're trying to make things happen. This security blanket of knowing three points are basically going to be on the board is very important for a team. Now, if it doesn't work out and Jonathan Cruz has a bad year, um, I will completely eat my words about good kicker. But to this point, he is a good kicker. And, you know, if you get to the point where it's a 47, 50-yard field goal, especially on the long range, he's a good long-range kicker, all of a sudden you're not going for it from the 35. It's fourth and 12 from the 35. Because there are people that are team never punt. They call it team go for it. Because they want college football and football to be played like they play Madden. Like they play NCAA. Because there's no consequences in those games. Whenever you are obsessively going for it. Yes, it's fun. We all love it. But if you look back against Auburn and picture the time that we got inside the 20-yard line, went for it, didn't get it, and Auburn ended up winning the game, we could have won that game just by kicking field goals on fourth down. I understand that you could have kicked, you know, you can go for it once and get a touchdown once. It's, it's a better situation. Over two possessions, you know, the most you can get is sixth, or, you know, if you get stopped once and get it the second time, you get seven. I get that. I understand all the analytics of it. But, that is a game that potentially cost Ole Miss the playoff. If, if we want to look at it real, that's that was the other regular season game. Other than that, we would be going into the end of the season 11-1. We would not be going to Atlanta. And honestly, if we're going to be real, they would probably finish fifth and not made the playoff, but they would have been on the cusp with their only loss being to the number one ranked team in the world or in the country when it comes to the playoff selection show. It's a big deal. I am team kick the field goal almost every time. To me, there's no such thing as a sad field goal. Points are more important than no points because if you have no points and you score no points, the momentum boost of the other team is out the roof. The only thing I compare it to is talking about talking about momentum. Do you remember when Ole Miss was playing Memphis in 2015? Do you remember that? Do you remember them going forward on fourth down and trying a um, gimmick play with Robert Kimdichie and then getting stopped and Robert getting hurt? Do you remember the momentum completely shifting and Ole Miss unable to get it back and they ended up losing that game? This is a game I think they were up 14 to nothing or 14 to 7 or something like that. It was it was well under control for Ole Miss football. But that fourth down flipped everything. It's not all analytics every time. You have to take into account, honestly, the body language of the other team. 
That's why coaches make so much money. They have so much going on. They've got to do the personnel. They've got to hit the transfer market. They've got to recruit high school players. They've got to judge body language of the other team. If 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 it stops, if it stops, if it gets stopped and the momentum shifts, will you be in trouble? They have so much stuff going on. So much stuff. And I do not envy a head coach at all. The time commitment for all that is just out of the world. This thing that I do, two hours a day, you know, I do all this for fun. I've got it officially set it down to where I can do several different things really, really quickly. But it's about two hours a day commitment. The rest of the time I'm in the pool, you know, going for a walk doing all kinds of stuff. But these football coaches, the time commitment of a college football coach has gotten absurd. You got like Matt Luke who went to Georgia, got his natty at at Georgia and just walked away because of the transfer portal and everything going on. It just got absurd. Just got weird. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about the transfer, uh, not the transfer portal. We're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback competition because we haven't talked about that yet. So anyway, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Um, so subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. Um, upvote the video itself, and of course, hit the bell for notifications whenever we release new videos. Should be a lot of fun. Um, but also, we're doing a breakdown segment where we, Corey Burton, a high school coach from Hillwood High School in Nashville, Tennessee, has been nice enough to come on and do breakdowns of Ole Miss players, newcomers, and Luke Altmyer. Because I want to include Luke Altmyer because I think he needed to be included. So Luke Altmyer was the first. He's up now. Tomorrow or tonight will be Jackson Dart. Tomorrow will be Zach Evans. Then there's Ulysses Bentley the fourth, and then Michael Trigg. That's our one week. Seven o'clock Eastern. It goes live every day. Seven o'clock Eastern. You can tune in and catch ten minutes of breakdown on an Ole Miss newcomer. Should be a lot of fun. So the quarterback competition is ongoing. We've all heard different things. Everybody's got opinions of what's going on. And I've told you that these are probably the two most important weeks in the whole season. The whole identity of this team is going to come together over the next two weeks. It's hot. It starts to grind on you a little bit. Sometime about next Monday or Tuesday, everybody's going to start to get pissy, start to get testy. And it's it's just going to become camp. Even though it's not two-a-days, it's going to become camp. It always does. They've got their cold tubs. Everything's going out before they get ready to to go to class. So, you don't want a person pressing. You don't want a person overly relaxed. You want them in that happy medium, that little gray area right there, right there in the center. You you don't want anybody to feel comfortable because – you know, Jurgen Klinsmann used to be the coach of the U.S. Men's National Team. You, you may or may not know that, but that's not important. But he used to have a phrase about U.S. players playing in Europe. is get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. And 
that is really interesting in this quarterback competition to think about. Because for Luke Altmaier to get out of his comfort zone, he needs to take chances. He needs to open up the offense. He needs to go and do the things that's going to help him develop. Because honestly, as a quarterback develops, all the stuff that he needs to find out, he's going to find out. He's on a natural progression in towards um, becoming a really good quarterback. I think Eli was like 16 to 33 for 140 yards and interception as a redshirt freshman. That was as a redshirt freshman. Luke had better numbers as a true freshman. So let's not necessarily judge a quarterback based off of one extended performance. I tell people all the time, root for a quarterback to clearly win the job. Do not root for a particular quarterback. That is the, you know, that is Steve basically preaching today. Because we don't know what's going to happen in this competition. If they were worried about information getting out about the quarterback competition, nobody would be allowed in. They have this on a leash. They're not talking about anything. They've gotten to the point where in the press conferences, you'll listen and you've heard them on this show, on this channel. Whenever a quarterback question is asked, Lane Kipps like, oh, quarterback, yeah. And he goes down and he almost has the media trained. I do not want to talk about this, so I will make this as boring and mundane as possible so you'll ask a different question of me. And you won't ask the questions that you were paid to come in here and ask me about. You will ask me about NIL because at this point, NIL means nothing. He has no problem talking about NIL. He'll talk about that all day because it means nothing at this moment. The one thing that can hurt potentially Ole Miss or this offense would be if the media dug in to this and handled this quarterback competition honestly the way they should because inside the coaches, inside the locker room, they're doing a really good job of making it as mundane and as boring as possible. Both quarterbacks did good things. They both made mistakes. We'll see how it goes. When's timeline? I don't know. I've done it before the season and um, I've done it during the season, but I don't like do it to do it during the season. I mean, that is, if you go back to listen to the interview, that's how it sounds. And it's intentional because, okay, let's, let's, let's be real for a second here. Let's be real. There's a $7.5 million man sitting behind a microphone and a whole bunch of people trying to impress him. Not because they have any bias toward the school, not because there's any fandom, and not because he's the Ole Miss head coach. Because he is the most powerful person in the room. So his body language and his um, answers control the questions that are asked. There's nobody necessarily in there, with the exception of maybe David Johnson, who always asks the quarterback question every day, no matter what the answer. Um, but everybody else asks these general big-picture questions because Lane wants to talk about that. And why is that important? Well, they need something that they can write about. 
they need good quotes. And they're going to write about NIL, and it's become going to become part of, uh, they're going to keep that story alive and everything going on because he gets those big quotes, and they can write stories about them. They can on the other stuff. These coaches do such a fantastic job of not saying anything while saying stuff. Just listen to the press conferences. It's absolutely amazing. Lane does not talk in code. He will tell you exactly and answer every question as it's given. There's a difference, though, whenever it can affect what's happening right now, and it can't. If it can't, yeah, he's open. He'll be... He'll talk about it all day long. If it can, he's going to give you a mundane answer that doesn't really say anything, and we can go on about our day. It's just the way it is. It's really cool to see. I, I, I think they teach social media classes down in South Florida um, on Lane Kiffin and his Twitter account and his whole personality. And it's all been... If you if you want to think about 2008 until 2000. 14, till he went to Alabama and got put in the rehabilitation. Let's say six years. He had six years of the media being all over him about everything. And everybody pretending that they know him. So his attitude towards the media is going to be based off of that real-world experience from leaving the L.A. Raiders or Oakland Raiders to the Tennessee Vols, to leaving the Vols for USC, the way that he left USC, all of that is going to be there. And those experiences is going to be how he handles this media. He all knows what he knows what's going on. And he did a masterclass work under Nick Saban of how to handle the media. Now Nick handles him like a bully. Lane isn't quite like that. That doesn't fit his personality. But he has figured out pointers and steps that he can handle along the way. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show today. Um, we talked little kickers. We got the kickers involved. It's awesome. Um, but get more of the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On. That's me. Um, take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen Locked on SEC. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Tune in tonight for the breakdown. We've got um, stuff at noon and at 7 every day this week to go along with the 7 o'clock in the morning Locked on Ole Miss podcast, and that's not even including anything for practice. It's going to be a cool week. So anyway, everybody have fun, and I will see you tomorrow. Peace.